welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software and production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Quintessence, or Quintessence Ox on Twitter. Today, we will be talking about how to start a DevSecOps program and measure its success. We are joined today by our guest, Franklin Mosley, Engineering Manager of Product Security here at PagerDuty. Franklin has worked in InfoSec and software development for 20 years and brings a wealth of experience to our organization. He is an advocate for security and has appeared as a keynote speaker sharing his insight into the world of security and DevOps. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here to speak with you today. You and I go back a few years, so it's our, our first time actually doing something together and I'm yeah, happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, awesome. And I look forward to working with you too. This is great. I've been looking forward to this like all month, <laughs> not going <laughs> to lie. So what can you tell us about DevSecOps programs? Well, DevSecOps programs, uh, you know, it's kind of all the rage now. You know, I've been out here speaking about DevSecOps for a few years and uh, I get a lot of questions about how to how to start a program or like what is DevSecOps? And I kind of have like this love-hate relationship with the term DevSecOps because it kind of implies that uh, security is not wasn't shouldn't be in DevOps and it should and it should inherently have been in there from the beginning. But we know it wasn't It was something that was kind of like an afterthought that was left out. And now people are starting to think more about how do we make sure that these builds that we're putting out there, this rapid pace, have security uh, built in. So the term DevSecOps is kind of more of this explicit uh, kind of let's make sure that uh, security is included and a DevSecOps program. I don't know. So to me, like DevSecOps is really just automated security decisions at speed and at scale. So how do we make sure that security is not that roadblock that it traditionally was? And as you said in the introduction, I've been in security for you know, 20 years, and I can say that uh, you know we wore a roadblock. We wore kind of a, the organization of no, and we did stop down a lot of things. And I can see why in the early days of DevOps, we were circumvented and not included because uh, we were seen as uh, something that would uh, slow down the pace of pushing software into production. So starting up a program, you know, security needs to recognize that you need to work together with your developers, with your, your ops team, and figure out what it is that they're doing and some of the, the tools and processes they have in place and figure out how security can best integrate into that and not take our old methods and ways of doing things and try to fit them into the DevOps world. I think one of the things that we can do as security people when we think about how we can do that is to think like engineers and not how we used to think as just security people and taking our checklist and saying, oh, this is what we normally do and this is what we did in the past. We'll now take this same process and fit it in place. But think about new ways of how we can still make sure that we're managing our risk and doing that in a way that's frictionless or as make it easy as possible to you know, integrate security in. That's awesome. Um, speaking of kind of these disconnects on the, I guess I'm going to say on either side, I was going to say on one side, but you know what, on either side, what are some myths or misconceptions that you've seen either from non-security engineering or security to engineering, if that made sense? So some of the myths and um, misconceptions I think it goes back to um, who is responsible for security. 
it's not solely on your security organization or your security team, but security should be a shared responsibility. I think we've been hearing a lot of that over the last uh, couple of years or so. And I think more and more teams are starting to recognize that and believe in it, actually, because they're starting to take on that that full service ownership model. We've seen the shift where you know these development teams have gone from just owning the development itself, but also owning the uh, deployment pipeline, the performance of their application, the reliability of it. Uh, so it's no longer just code it, throw it, hand it off to someone else and get it deployed, but basically taking ownership from the idea portion all the way through creation and then through deployment and maintaining these services while in production. So security is just another piece of that that also gets thrown into that that mix of of ownership. And then that helps to kind of build upon that that idea that you know security is just solely the responsibility of the security organization, the security team, but it's a shared responsibility and teams are, are starting to, to pick up on that. I think another misconception, another myth, and this is from the security side, looking back at the uh, developers, is that the developers don't care about security. And that's uh, a misconception. There was a study that was done, and I forgot where, where this report came from, but I've seen it in several different places. I've actually quoted it in some of my talks that uh, it shows that approximately 50% of developers you know, recognize the importance of security. It's just they don't have time to work on it. And it's because they're being tasked with so many different things and that uh, security is not kind of one of the higher priorities that are on their list. And they just don't have time to work on it, but they recognize it is, a, is an important thing. And one of the things that we can do to help it be recognized as, uh, as a higher priority is that uh, security should be seen as another feature. And it's not just some afterthought, but if you prioritize it as you're planning out your work, as, as a feature, then it gets kind of the recognition and it, it gets your development teams working on it that you actually seek that will make an overall better quality product. So there's just a couple of things that I think are, are myths and misconceptions that we're starting to address now when it comes to like, you know, DevSecOps. Yeah. And something you said about the myth that devs don't care. So I worked in ops primarily um, before I switched into advocacy work. But even from the ops side, I remember really appreciating what security was doing and also not entirely understanding what was happening over there. I mean, I understood in the in the way that they were able to like make the information succinct, like we need to do X, Y, Z because of the right. But I didn't actually understand mechanics of what was happening or any of the like more granular I don't know why the decisions were being made the way that they were, which I, I thought was super, super interesting. And I know that we we're going to talk a little bit today about starting a DevSecOps program. And if this is related to anything that we talked about previously, about like some of the things that can be tied in, like there are ways that can help those of us sitting outside security really understand and be involved mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So yeah, I guess your original question was, you know, how do we start a program? Yeah. So... Starting a program, um, like I mentioned in you know, in my, in my in originally in my statement, was security recognizing what you know the, the DevOps teams are doing and figuring out the best way to work with them and get a better understanding. And I think it's like with any relationship, you need to understand your your partner and what their needs are, what their what their wants are, and that happens from both sides. So not just security understanding, 
you know, the dev teams, ops teams, but, you know, DevOps understanding the needs of security. Essentially, the role of security, when you, when you really break it down, it's about managing risk. And our goal is to, you know, not to stop builds just because we can, but we're just trying to figure out the best way to manage risk within the workflows that are established by these DevOps teams. And then for us as security, uh, we recognize that uh, we need to recognize that the DevOps teams are trying to develop quickly and rapidly develop software and release it as soon as possible to get these features into the hands of customers to create value for the customers. So how can we make sure that we manage risk and recognize and identify any vulnerabilities as early as possible, as quickly as possible, while still being able to get the software developed and deployed into to the hands of customers so the customers can get the value from the product that we're offering. So now that we recognized kind of what the the needs are from both sides, we can work together. And I also think like when it comes to starting a dev, you know, DevSecOps program, it's helpful to get the buy-in from leaders of, of the various organizations. Because I also think that a lot of that comes and it starts from the top. And I really feel like you know, a top-down approach actually can help to get that buy-in from different the different teams as they come together to try to start working on DevSecOps program. Um, I actually worked at a, at a company that that buy-in came from actually the CEO. As a CEO started to talk about how this security was a, a shared responsibility because he was, you know, he was talking about uh, the strategic vision for the company for that year. And it was talking about the four different pillars that would make the company successful. And one of the pillars that he mentioned was security. So at that point, he kind of set level set and, and let everyone know that security is this shared responsibility. So at that point, it was kind of this trickle down effect. So now when I'm coming to one of the development teams and I'm asking them to work with me on helping to identify how we can make the deployments, uh, the development process more secure, I already have the CEO telling them that security is a shared responsibility and it's something they need to recognize as a feature that we're offering to our customers. So, you know, getting that, that buy-in is from the top is one way to help, you know, start that program. And actually kind of related to that, I, I know from, from speaking with others, sometimes getting that buy-in isn't easy for whatever has happened or whatever organizational or personal reasons that the, the people at the upper echelons of management have. So when people, when security specialists, when dev teams that want to support their security specialists find themselves in a situation where they, they need to get a buy-in and it's and it's not a straightforward process. Like what advice do you have for things that they can say that can really help to start that conversation successfully? Well, when it comes to how to get the leaders to buy in, how to make the business case for for security, for starting a DevSecOps program, I think one of the easiest ways is to point to the data breaches that are occurring out there on a regular basis with a, a bunch of different companies. And by being able to point to that and how businesses are affected from the outcome of a data breach where you have a loss of customer confidence in the, the company or in the product itself, or is lost revenue that occurs, then that kind of strikes at the heart of what business leaders are looking at, what the, the stakeholders are looking at. And that's the dollars and cents or the bottom line of it, of, of the business. So with these publicly disclosed data breaches, now these things are, are, are bringing visibility into the boardrooms and the members of the board are now asking the CEO 
the C-level executives, how are we positioned to handle the situation? How are we positioned to ensure that we're reducing our risk to make sure that we don't end up on the, the front page itself uh, for a, a data breach? That's bringing security to the front of mind of the executive team. And then it makes it easier for the development teams, the security teams to be able to go to their, their leadership to say, hey, we want to start this DevSecOps program because security is now something that's uh, become um, more top of mind for your executives. Yeah, I can see that. One thing I've been thinking about while you while you're speaking is something that would come out sometimes on the op side, not about security, but in a parallel concept where sometimes it's hard to upsell what could potentially not be working uh, when things are working, right? So data breaches that never happened because of security posture or other types of outages in the gap side, right? Where where we're like, please give us these very expensive tools um, for monitoring and logging and whatever else we're asking for. And it's one of those things where, at least for the app side, sometimes you would have a hard time because you care most about those things, aside from like the passive reporting, when there's a problem. And then the rest of the time, they're just kind of chugging along. And I'm curious if the if you get the same kind of mindset with, with some of the security topics, too, where it's it's working when it isn't, but there's panic when there's not. And if there's like a way to bridge where it's still where the value isn't always just about avoiding panic, I guess. Yeah, I get what you're saying. No, it's the same thing on the security side. And I think the best way to you know, make the case is to, if, if you're able to like actually quantify the risk and translate that risk into you know, dollars and cents, then I think that really speaks volumes. So if you could say, okay, we recognize that there's a, a risk here. We don't check for secrets being put into our application. And if someone is able to discover one of these, these these secrets and the secret then leads to access to our cloud account and then they have access to the cloud account and we haven't put in proper access controls. So that particular secret leads to access to our database and all of our customer data is in there. And we have a million records of customer data and each record we value at, I don't know, X amount of dollars per record then you could say that, okay, this is the bottom line of what that data breach would cost us if we don't implement a program to recognize this risk and to help mitigate it or reduce it to an acceptable level. Okay, that that actually makes sense, right? Because then you're translating what the potential, what you're trying to protect into something that's very tangible. And speaking of measurement, when we're talking about the types of measurements that are going into the, not just the risk assessments for the conversation we just had, but just more broadly about the programs and things, how are you, how are we measuring like what success means or what things we should even be looking at? Yeah, there's a couple of different things there. You know, one of the things that I like to you know tell others about is, you know, measuring the maturity of your program. So, of course, in the very beginning, you're just starting out. There are some ways that you can uh, assess your program to kind of, kind of get a baseline of the maturity of it. There may be some some practices you're currently doing, but not under the guise of a DevSecOps program, but they are activities that could help lead to the success of a, a successful building of a DevSecOps program. So there's several different maturity models out there that could assist you in actually you know, getting a baseline measurement of the program. And then over time, as you start to implement more processes or tools, uh, measure how your program is effectively, you know, growing and maturing. So that's one part of, you know, measuring your program. 
um, measuring how it's maturing over time. I'll tell you, there's a few different maturity models that exist out there. Uh, so there's a, the BCM building security in maturity model, uh, which is more descriptive in nature. And it's descriptive, meaning that it's telling you the activities that participating companies are engaged in that have been successful in application security and somewhat, you know, in DevSecOps as well. Um, but then there's also uh, a maturity model like the one provided by OWASP. So OWASP is the Open Web Application Security Project. And uh, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, focuses on security best practices for web applications um, and also helping identify common weaknesses that are, exist within web applications. And there's a bunch of different projects, but the OWASP SAM project is a, is a flagship project that focuses on the software assurance maturity model. And it gives a bunch of prescriptive uh, activities that you should be engaging in to help build your uh, application security program and you know, DevSecOps program. And even more specifically, there's a you know, DevOps uh, software assurance maturity model as well. But these models give you a, a way to kind of take a baseline measurement of your program as you're starting it. And then as you start to do more and more activities um, and integrate them into your DevSecOps program, then you can see how your program is maturing. And then specifically, how you measure its effectiveness is identifying what are some key performance indicators that you can gain or you can obtain from um, your activities. That makes sense. And, you know, what you mentioned before about the maturity models and the frameworks and such, how would someone, when they're taking a look at these, because it it seems like from what I've seen of them, they're very comprehensive. You're probably not going to roll all of it out at once if you're just getting started. So how do you start to identify what the minimally viable is versus like next steps and, and kind of grow outward in a way that is going to be comprehensive so you don't have too many gaps early on? Yeah, within these maturity models, there are a lot of uh, activities that they prescribe or will describe, depending on which model you're using. And all these activities aren't necessarily something you should aim to achieve. Um, You shouldn't aim to achieve the highest maturity rating across all these activities, but your program should be catered to what makes sense for your particular environment. And it may be that uh, a maturity level of two across these various activities is what makes most sense uh, to you. But again, you know, you have to identify your particular environment and the activities actually fit. You know, one time we did an assessment and this is at a previous company I was at. And during that assessment, we recognized that, you know, certain activities didn't really fit our kind of our our cloud um, transformation project and our, the way we were rolling out DevOps. And we dropped those activities from being, part of our, our maturity assessment and things that we achieved to to get to what we strive to get to get to because it just didn't really fit our, our environment. Gotcha. And when you were making those decisions, it also not the ones that entirely didn't fit, but is there a way to do kind of a I'm gonna I'm trying to find another way to say cost benefits. It's not exactly I guess it's more co- like risk versus benefit where you're trying to assess, okay, I know I'm making this decision today for these reasons, but I know or I need to know how to evaluate that it's opening me up to these other things. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, how do you start to explore that? Well, that's, I'm glad you said that, you know, so that's kind of the, the point of the maturity assessment is to identify the gaps in your DevSecOps program. So in identifying those gaps, you don't, you want to recognize, you know, what are the risks 
that exists if we don't address this gap and by able to identify the risk. And if you're able to come up with a, a measurement of that risk, and hopefully in a quantifiable way, then you can start to prioritize uh, the things that really matter and that need to be addressed uh, before other activities or other gaps you identified that maybe impose uh, less of a risk and then you can leave to later on down the road. But then also when you're addressing you know, those risks and those gaps, you can also look at what is the cost of implementing those. So cost of uh, time, of labor, of uh, tools that you may acquire to help address those gaps. And then making that trade-off will help you make some decisions on uh, what is needed now and what's needed in the future or what's not needed at all. And that makes sense. And when, I guess, I feel like some might have some anxiety about making sure that they're doing so correctly. So is there anything or any advice that you can give for people for how they can course correct as they're moving along and they're like, oh, this was more risky than we initially assessed or believed for whatever reason and and how they can kind of patch over that and move forward? Um, just like with uh, we talked about DevOps and how DevOps is constantly getting feedback and iterating. You have that whole feedback loop. It should be the same thing with your DevSecOps program as you're making changes, constantly uh, measuring getting that feedback and then feeding that back into the, into the program as you start to grow it, you know, identifying kind of those key performance indicators that will make sense that provide the measurements or the metrics that will show you positive or negatively, whether uh, there's an impact to your DevOps teams as far as like um, their workflows. And also if you're actually um, affecting the risk that exists um, in various areas of your, you know, your DevOps program as you're integrating security in. So when it comes to like what are those those key metrics, it kind of varies based on um, on your program because I believe in like this this bottoms up approach where you kind of take the data elements that you you have and then figure out the relationship between those data elements and then by figuring out the relationship between the data elements that you have, uh, you're able to identify what are some key performance indicators that uh, make sense and actually tell the story of, of your DevSecOps program. So, you know, example could be if you're integrating some checks in uh, your pull request, for example, well, some data elements that you have that may exist or that you have would be like a number of repos that you're, you're checking uh, number of pull requests that have been submitted and that you're, that you're running your security checks. And out of those um, pull requests, number of critical, high, medium, and low vulnerabilities that you've identified. And then if you're giving feedback to your developers through those pull requests, that, hey, we've recognized that there is this high vulnerability that exists from this particular dependency that, we've, uh, that you've um, introduced within this pull request, you know, did that vulnerability get fixed in that pull request? And then you start to put all those data elements together and recognize, okay, the, this is a, a key performance indicator that we can then use to measure and then report out. You may come up with um, an average remediation time per development team as a key performance in indicator. And then you can measure, use that to measure how effective is my program. 
we recognized a, a vulnerability uh, and got it fixed within X number of days. And that's an improvement over what we used to have where it was maybe twice as long. So we've reduced uh, average time of re- re- remediation by 50%. Wow. Okay. And that makes sense. It makes sense that you would kind of need to track, you know, there's going to be the so-called best practices and give you a starting point. We like measure these things, but you're going to need to start tracking and baselining and then looking around those things to see if there's anything that suits your the way that things are actually working at your organization that give you more or less visibility data, et cetera, to see exactly what you're describing mm-hmm. and whether or not things are being, you know, resolved in a way or could be improved. And that's awesome. And thank you so much for all of that. And before we go to our next part, just going to say thank you so much for your time. And we're going to be linking to the frameworks that Franklin's been talking about in our materials, as well as the DevSecOps guide, which I actually interviewed him for when I was writing. So there's tons of good thoughts and information about all of that. But before we head out, there are two questions that we like to ask every guest. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) All right. What is one thing you wish you could have known sooner about security or DevSecOps? I'll say, um, I'll give you something about my entry into DevSecOps. So I was doing AppSec and I got asked to uh, join a team. Uh, and it was really, I got embedded with this DevOps core team as they were starting to build out their DevOps program and they were migrating all their development teams into DevOps and they were doing this whole cloud transformation. I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. I'll just take all the stuff I'm doing from an AppSec perspective and I'll throw it into DevOps and that didn't work. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that did not work. So uh, like one of the initial mistakes I made was I tried to take this um, DAS tool. So a DAS tool is a dynamic application security testing uh, tool. And essentially it, it treats the, the web application as like this black box and it throws all these tests at it, these requests uh, which are you know, just very security tests. And it looks at the responses that comes back from the uh, web application to determine whether or not that test was successful. So looking for things like cross-site scripting, potential SQL injection, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a DAS scan takes, can take a long time because it's, what it's doing is spidering or basically checking every page of the web application and every input it finds and then su- submits a request to that, that input field. And like I said, checks the response. So, a DAS scan can take anywhere from 30 minutes to several hours. So you think back to how, you know, DevOps, we're trying to make these changes quickly and get them pushed out into production. (laughs) (laughs) A a, a scan taking several hours and holding up a deployment does not work. (laughs) I didn't realize that in my initial foray into DevSecOps that I can't take all my old practices and just neatly fit them in to into DevOps. And I need to be more careful and more thoughtful about the things I was doing. So that goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier about taking on an engineer's mindset and kind of shifting from just being a security uh, person to a security engineer and thinking about tools and practices of DevOps and how to best work within those. It's awesome. I mean, not awesome about the AR scan. That sounds that sounds like someone a whole bunch of someone's had a bad day. <laughs> speaking of, uh, kind of speaking of, is there anything about DevSecOps or security you're glad we did not ask you about? <laughs> what tools we're using? <laughs> Very relevantly, what tools? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Franklin. Uh, thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. This is Quintessence wishing you an uneventful day. That's it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittolimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittolimit using the number two. That's pageittolimit with the number two. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. <laughs>